And here's what I believe. I believe that if we will catch hold of the things I'm going to share with you over these next few weeks, that we will see even greater things in 2017. And so I want to share this vision series with you and give you some things to think through and things to challenge you and equip you and inspire you. And I'm excited to, to share and, and, and again, um, articulate this vision with our church. Now, we've talked about our kingdom vision. At the end of 2015, we redesigned our logo, and the icon and the logo has some meaning to it, which helps to articulate who we are as a church, who we want to be as a church. We're going to go back over that and, and talk about our vision, because I want this vision series to answer three questions for you, all right? Three questions. These are in your notes, by the way. The first question that I hope this vision series answers for you is, what is our vision? My goal is that if someone stops you on the street or someone comes up to you at work and says, tell me about Longview Point Baptist Church, that you will know what to say, that you will be able to articulate who we are as a church, the direction we are headed, our vision. This is a question of clarity. I want to be very, very clear on our vision, where we want to be as a church. The second question is, what is our process for making disciples? The Great Commission is make disciples of all the nations. That's what Jesus gave his disciples and gave his church. And we are called to make disciples. Now, how do we do that? What's our process for seeing people saved and then matured in their faith so they can reach out to others as well and make a difference? What is our process? Now, most of you, if you've been coming for a while, probably have heard our vision statement before or could articulate our vision statement before, but probably there'd be very few of you that could say, okay, wait, I'm going to describe the process Longview Point uses to make disciples. So I want to be able to describe that process for you so you can articulate it. This is a question of strategy. Strategy. Now, vision is where you want to be, where you want to get to. Strategy is how you get there. And so I want to talk about our strategy. How are we going to achieve and realize our vision? And, and the third question is very important. The question is, where am I in that process? This is a question of personal ownership. Because we don't want you just to amen and, and, and cheer the preacher on as he talks about some different words and phrases. We want you to be a part of what God is doing through the church called Longview Point. We want you to take ownership of this and, and understand the process so that you can discern where you are in the process. Right? That's, that's important. And so these three questions are questions I want to answer for you over the coming weeks. So let's just, let's just remember together what our vision statement is. Now, if you've been coming for a while, you've seen this on the, on the bulletin, you hear it on our, our announcement video, you hear me say it, you hear others say it, and so you're probably familiar with this. If you're new this morning and visiting with us, you'll, you'll hear this statement a lot. And here is our vision statement. We want to be a church that is expanding His kingdom, God's kingdom, across the street and what? Around the world. Expanding His kingdom across the street and around the world. That's the kind of church that we want to be a kingdom-expanding church, seeing God's kingdom grow for the glory of His great name. And this kingdom vision has four components. Now, our icon has four different components to it, four different pieces, and that's intentional. So you can look at this icon and be reminded of the four components and use it to articulate these four components. The first quadrant there, the first part of our logo or icon, 
stands for kingdom citizens. Kingdom citizens. We want people to to become citizens of the kingdom of God. And we'll talk some more about that in a few moments. We want to see people saved, and that's what that means. The second part of our icon stands for kingdom connections. We believe that when someone is saved, they need to be connected with a small group of believers so in the context of relationships, they can grow in their faith. And when people are connected with other Christians, they have people that can minister to them and pray for them, and encourage them, and they can minister to others, and pray for others, and encourage others. And this group that's growing together in Christ can begin to reach out to others with the good news. So we believe it's very, very important that we get people connected. Listen to me. We do not want you to get lost in the crowd. We want you to have relationships here, people that are challenging you and encouraging you to grow in your faith and be who God has called you to be so you can live for his glory. We'll talk about that some more next week. A lot of good stuff next week, so be here for that. The third part of our kingdom vision is kingdom families. We want our homes to be outposts for the kingdom of God. We want the light of Jesus Christ to shine brightly in our marriages, in our parenting, in our Homes. We've got some things here in place in the church. We're going to put some more things in place that are going to help you to grow as kingdom families, which leads to the fourth part of that vision, which is kingdom advance. We believe we should be planting churches, starting new churches. We'll talk a lot about church planting this year. We're getting ready to plant a new church in 2017 in eastern DeSoto County. We're going to talk about going on short-term mission trips, supporting missions through giving and through praying and reaching out to our community. We want to be a kingdom-advancing church. We want to see the kingdom of God grow through missions. Those are the four components of our vision. And you can think of those components as a process. You saw the arrows. That you, you can think of that that vision as a process, moving through the process. So you can begin to evaluate your own life. A good first question is, am I in the kingdom of God? Am I saved? That's a good starting place, amen? Another good question, am I connected with a small group of folks that I'm living life with and learning God's word with? Another question, what about my home? Is my home shining brightly for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And then, Am I a part of missions? Am I a part of advancing God's kingdom with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so you can begin to evaluate through the sermon series, where am I in the process? Am I growing? Is God using my life? Or am I just kind of a a spectator? And so we hope to challenge you to be clear on our vision, to know what our strategy is to achieve our vision, and to take personal ownership of that vision. Now, I'm going to spend the rest of our time together this morning talking about kingdom citizens. Kingdom citizens. And we're going to begin in the gospel according to Mark. You can go there and turn to Mark with me. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Now, I want to be clear when I talk about kingdom citizenship. The Bible is clear in Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 that everyone is a citizen of one of two kingdoms. Everyone in this world. Everyone in this room. You're either a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, and the king of that domain is Satan, or you're a member of the kingdom of light, 
and Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And everyone is in one of those two kingdoms. And so our goal is that people are brought into the kingdom of light. There are great privileges of being a member of the kingdom of God, right? And we want people to experience the forgiveness and the life and the transformation and the meaning and the purpose and the joy that comes when you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Which leads to this question. How do we bring people into the kingdom of God? If people are are part of the kingdom of, of darkness, they're lost and far from God, how do we bring them into the kingdom of light? You ready? Here's the answer. Only through Jesus. He's the only way that we can bring people into the kingdom of God. He's the only way to be saved. I read in my quiet time this morning in Acts chapter 4 that there's no other name that's been given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. There's only one name that saves, and that name is Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if someone is going to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, they can only be transferred through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way it's going to happen, right? And so when I say we want to be a church that's all about kingdom citizens, I'm saying that we're called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others So they can be saved and they can enter the kingdom of God. That's what I mean. Got to be saved to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said it in John 3. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You got to be saved. And you only be saved through Christ. So we want to share this good news about Jesus with the lost and dying world. Starting with our community and going to the very ends of the earth. That Jesus saves. So they can be set free from Satan and his bondage and his darkness and their sin and be brought into the kingdom of forgiveness and peace and joy. So, that leads us to this question. Where do we start? Well, Mark chapter 5 gives us some insight into where we start. So look there with me, Mark chapter 5 verse 1. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're physically able, to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. The Bible says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Why? Because Satan was trying to destroy him. He was filled with demons. And the Bible says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking those whom he can devour. The Bible says that the thief, Satan, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Satan is trying to take this guy out. But look what happens next. And when he saw Jesus from afar, 
he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus said to the spirit that indwells this man, What is your name? He replied, My name, this is the demon speaking, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. Jesus changes lives. Amen? And they were afraid. They, they never seen that kind of power over the demonic realm. And it says, Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They were scared by his power. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. This man who had been in bondage to sin and to Satan, whose life was being destroyed, had been set free by the grace and power of Christ. And naturally, he says, let me go with you, Jesus. Let me get in the boat with you. But look what Jesus says. Very interesting. He did not permit him. No, can't go. Why? Look what he says next. He said to him, go home to your friends. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's the ten Gentile cities, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. What a story. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are so grateful, Lord, for this opportunity to gather, to sing, to praise you, to fellowship around your word. Lord, we just ask that you would move in our lives by your truth, applied to our hearts, by your spirit. Change us. Lord, help us to leave this place today more in love with you than when we arrived and more determined, Lord, to live for your glory. And we ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We're called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others so they can be saved and enter the kingdom of God. They can become kingdom citizens. Now the question, the first question that arises is this. Where should I start? If I'm called to share the good news with folks, where do I start? Because there are a lot of lost people out there, right? There are billions in our world, lots of lost folks. So where do I begin? How can I begin to make a dent when there's so much lostness in our world? Well, I believe that this story answers that question for us as to where we start. You and I should start with our sphere of influence. It's what Jesus said to the man. No, I don't want you going with me. I want you to go back to your friends, those that know you, those you have a relationship with, 
and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And that's what the man does. Jesus wanted this this man who had been set free from demonic possession to go to his sphere of influence and share that good news. And you and I can start with our sphere of influence. The the Bible word, uh, the Greek word that's used for this is the word oikos. The word oikos means household. And that word encapsulates those that are family, those that are friends, those that we rub shoulders with every day. And there are people that you rub shoulders with every day. And I'm, I'm submitting to you that you should start, we should start with that circle, that sphere of influence. What we're going to do in our connect groups is we're going to begin to really equip you to do this. One of the things we're going to ask you to do in your connect group is to begin to draw up a list of people that are in your, are in your sphere of influence. People you work with, uh, friends, family members, people that you're around, people that know you, and, and, and people that you believe in your sphere of influence to be lost. And we're going to have you write those names down and begin to pray for those names. And when you get together every week, begin to discuss uh, how it's going with your list, your oikos list, as you pray and you look for opportunities to share. Because just like this man set free, Jesus wants us to go to our sphere of influence. That is the starting place. You say, wait, it's your job to preach the gospel. You're the preacher man, right? Well, yeah, it is my job to preach the gospel. And a great privilege and joy to preach the gospel. But can I tell you this? There are people that you rub shoulders with every week that aren't coming to Longview Point. They're not hearing Pastor Wade preach, right? So if they're going to hear the gospel, they got to hear it from somebody other than me. Why not you? God has called you to that. So we want you to begin to think about your sphere of influence, your oikos, family, friends, classmates, co-workers, golfing buddies, hunting partners. I mean, folks that you know that God can impact through your life as you share good news. That's where you should start. And then after you start with your sphere of influence, you you then are on the lookout for divine appointments. I believe that if we are filled with the Spirit, every day we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us and guide us. If we do that every day and we ask God to give us opportunities, God We'll put people in our path, maybe that we don't even know, that we have a moment to influence for the kingdom. And we can, in that moment of divine appointment that God has put together, God has arranged, we can share Christ in that divine appointment. So we're starting with our sphere of influence, but we're always on the lookout, right? To, to be able to encounter folks that are far from God, that need to hear the good news. One thing I've become convinced of as I study through the book of Acts and preach through the book of Acts is that God in His sovereignty is always arranging things around us so that there are these God-ordained appointments that He He gives us so that we can share Christ. And that's where we should start. Go to your friends, family, co-workers, your sphere of influence. That's where you start, which leads to the second question. Okay, I kind of know who I need to start with. But what do I say? I mean, if I actually want to talk to somebody about Jesus, what do I say? Probably the reason that 
most Christians don't share their faith is because they, they are intimidated because they don't know what to say. Well, we're going to equip you, not just in this sermon, but in our small groups, our connect groups, we're going to talk a lot about this so that we can give you some, some very practical, simple tools to put into your gospel tool belt to use, or your utility belt, I was thinking Batman, your utility belt that you can use to uh, impact people with the gospel. So what are some, some very practical tools you can use? First of all, share your story. Share your story. Now I want you to know, if you are here this morning and you're saved, you've been born again, you're a child of God, you have a story. There was a time when you weren't saved. And there's a time you heard the gospel and you got saved. And Jesus has made a difference, right? That's your story. And if you're saved, you've got a story. And we want to encourage you to be able to tell that story. Now, we're going to teach you to develop your, your story, your personal testimony, in a certain way. We want to teach you to be able to share three parts of your story in three minutes. Three parts, three minutes. Now, what are the three parts of someone's testimony? Well, we see it in the, in the book of Acts. Paul was saved in Acts chapter 9. Later on in Acts, he has an opportunity to share his testimony before kings. And we see the pattern that Paul uses. Paul always shares some things about his life before he was saved. Here's who I was before I met Christ. Then he tells a story of how he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And then he shares how his life has changed since he met Christ. Three parts. And so we're going to teach you to, to jot down on a piece of paper what your life was like before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, that's part number two, and the difference Jesus Christ has made. That's part number three. And we're going to encourage you to be able to share those three things in three minutes. So wait, what's the rush? Why three minutes? Because that may be all the, all the time you have. Sometimes you have a very brief window through which you can share your story. Now, there will be times you have longer conversations and you can talk to someone for, for hours about your story. But we want to give you the tool of learning to share your story three parts in three minutes. So in our connect groups, we're going to get together. We're going to write our stories down. We're going to practice. And you're going to team up with folks in your room and you're going to share your testimony. They're going to say, well, that was 15 minutes. You need to shorten it, all right? And, uh, and don't be long-winded like Pastor Wade. You need to shorten it, all right? And, and you're going to share it and, and, and refine it and practice it so you can share it in your sleep. So you know this story very, very well. So that you have confidence if the situation arises, you can share your story three parts. How long? Three minutes. We're going to teach you how to do that. We think it's very, very important. We go to South Asia. We're teaching the Christians there to, to, to learn to share their story Three parts in three minutes. It is vital. That's the first tool that we're going to encourage you to have. Share your story. What do I say when I talk to someone that I don't think is saved? I share my story. Now, I was thinking about this. There have been times when I've tried to enter into a gospel conversation with someone. I've tried to walk them through Bible verses, walk them through the good news from God's Word. And there have been times people have shut me down. Don't want to hear it. Not interested. No thank you. I can't remember a time... That someone has shut me down when I'm sharing my personal story. 
For some reason, people hear you out because you're talking about your story, right? And, and they'll hear out what God has done for you. It's a great tool. Your personal testimony, your story, three parts in three minutes. But at least the second thing, and this is very important, you don't want to stop there. Not only do you want to share your story, you want to tell his story. You want to tell his story. You want to share the good news about what Christ has done so we can be saved. And and again, we're going to teach you how to do this in a very simple, practical way. I'm going to kind of outline it here for you in our time uh, together. Because we think it's important for you to have at least one method to share the good news. Now, there are a lot of different methods out there. There was evangelism explosion, and there was CWT, and faith training, and share Jesus without fear, and people sharing Jesus. All these different methodologies out there. And they're very good and very effective. But we want you to have at least one to share. I heard a story about D.L. Moody. He was an evangelist in the 1800s. Saw thousands of people brought into the kingdom through his gospel preaching ministry. And a woman approached him one day and said... I don't like your method of evangelism. And he said, well, tell me what your method is. And the lady said, well, I don't have one. And D.L. Moody said, well, I like mine better than yours. You should have at least one method, right? At least one way to share the gospel. And we want to give you that tool so you have confidence to know what to say to people if you have the opportunity to share Christ with them. Tell his story. And you just need to learn four words to start off. Four words. The first word is God. Say God. You're well on your way. You're well on your way. Now, when we say God, what do we mean? We want to tell people that it all begins with the Lord. It all begins with God. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's our creator. Genesis 1-27, it says, God created male and female in his own image. He made us. And he has a purpose for our lives. That we might have a relationship with him. And John 1, 1 John 1, 5 says that God is perfect, He is light, in Him there is no darkness. So the God that made us for a purpose is a God who is a God of absolute moral perfection. That's the starting place. So we want to teach you to say this sentence. You ready? God made us, has a purpose for us, and He's perfect. That's where you start. Which leads to the problem, the second word, which is man. Everyone say man. See, you're doing it. You're doing it. Now, what do we mean when we say man? Well, we're talking about us, humanity. And we are coming to grips with the reality that God is perfect and we are not. God has a purpose for our life and we have blown it. By rebelling against him, disobeying him, disregarding him, ignoring him. Every one of us. And the Bible is very clear on this. Romans 3.10, the Bible says, There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here's the deal. There are consequences for sinning against a holy God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Because we have rebelled against a holy God, we deserve his wrath. We deserve his punishment. We deserve death, physical death in this life and spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God in that awful place called hell. You are listening to someone preach to you this morning that is only deserving of God's wrath. 
I have sinned against a holy God. I deserve hell. I've blown it. Hey, guess what? So have you. Like it or not, you're in the club. So we talk about God, our perfect creator that made us for a purpose. Then we talk about humanity. We've rebelled against our creator. We deserve his punishment. And so that sounds really bad, right? That's bad news. When does it get to be good news? Well, God has a remedy. The third word is Christ. Everyone say Christ. Christ. God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, to pay the penalty that you and I deserve to pay. And hey, this is a great place just to share a really familiar verse with folks. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his Son to die in our place. So if we place our faith in Christ, he saves us. We don't have to go to hell. We get to go to heaven. Why? For God so loved the world, he loves us. We get to share that good news that even though we have rebelled against our creator, God loves us. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates or God proves his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's good news, right? So we talk about Christ. The one that left heaven and came to earth and took on human flesh and went to the cross and died for you and for me, taking the penalty that we deserve because we've sinned. Jesus rose from the grave after he died on the cross. He defeated death itself. And because of that, we know he is able and willing to save sinners like me. So here's the sentence we can share with folks. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and he rose from the dead, proving he can give eternal life. Which leads to the fourth thing. God, man, Christ, response. Just hearing this story doesn't save you. You've got to respond to what Christ has done for you. You've got to respond. But how do I respond to what Christ has done for me? By placing your faith in him, receiving his free gift of eternal life. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the, the power or the right to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Acts 20, 21 speaks of Paul publicly and from house to house, preaching and teaching the people of, of repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you respond to the gospel? How do you respond to what Jesus has done for you? You repent. You say, this is the wrong path. It leads to hell. I don't want to go that way anymore. I'm turning from that path and I'm embracing my only hope. His name is Jesus. By faith. So someone that hears the gospel needs to respond to the gospel. Receiving that free gift. The Bible says it like this in Romans 10, 9. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We receive that free gift by faith. We, we call on his name and say, I want you, Jesus. You're my only hope. Would you save me? That's the response. 
and you're ready to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ alone, you can invite him into your life. That's what we can tell folks. When you're ready to turn from your sin, when you're ready to stop trying to save yourself and place your faith in Christ alone, you can invite him into your life. You see, it's not enough just to hear about Jesus. You've got to personally respond to the person and work of Jesus. Let me give you an illustration of this. Over in the book of Numbers, the Hebrew people rebel against God, and so he sends judgment through fiery serpents. Thousands of snakes come into the camp and begin to bite people, and they die. I hate snakes. That's a nightmare, right? Nightmare. And the people go to Moses and say, Mo, do something. If you don't do something, we're all going to die. So Moses goes to God. God says, I will provide a way of salvation. I'll provide a way for people to be healed from their snake bite. He says, Moses, I want you to make a serpent out of bronze and put it on a pole and lift it up in the middle of the camp. And if anyone is bitten by a fiery serpent, if they will look to that bronze serpent, they will be healed. They will be saved. Now, someone could know that. You know, think of someone coming to the camp. Hey, listen, if you happen to be bitten by a snake, all you got to do is look at the bronze serpent and you'll live. It's okay, good to hear that. So someone gets bitten by a snake. Just knowing the snake is there doesn't save, right? Just have, having heard about the snake doesn't save them. What do they got to do? What do they got to do? They got to look. They've got to personally appropriate God's salvation for their life. Now, I want you to know, in the Bible Belt, there are lots of folks that have heard about Jesus. They've heard about the cross. They've heard about the empty tomb. But they are lost because they've never personally appropriated Jesus to their life. They've never said, I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. Maybe they thought their church membership saved them or their family legacy or background. No, you've got to personally appropriate the good news. You've got to place your faith in Jesus Christ alone to be saved. You've got to respond to what Christ has done, right? So we have the privilege of telling people, once you hear about God and man and Christ, you can respond. We're going to teach you five questions to ask people to know if they're ready to respond. Well, I won't do that this morning when I have time. But we're going to teach you five closing questions, I call them. And, and you, can, you can ask these questions to someone you're sharing the good news with to see if they're ready to give their lives to Jesus. Response is so very important. And so, four parts. God, man, Christ, response. I, I use this uh, outline to share with our children during vacation Bible school. And when you say God, I point up. Everybody point up for a second. Point up. And I say man, I do this. Talking about us. I say Christ, this, the cross, response, calling on his name. I teach that same thing. And it's simple and it's memorable. And if you will learn just these four words, a couple of verses with each word, and one sentence that goes with each word, you can be equipped to share the gospel. It's that simple. Everybody can do it. Share your story, tell his story. It is of utmost importance. And so in the coming days, in our small groups, by the way, if you're not plugged into a small group, now's the time to do it. 
If, if you are not playing into a small group this year, you're going to miss out on some awesome, awesome things. But in your small group, you're going to talk about some biblical examples of sharing the gospel, sharing the tes- uh, testimonies, and you're going to learn to do it yourself. We're going to practice, and we're going to encourage, and we're going to challenge. We're going to talk about our oikos list, and we're going to see what God does through the people called Long Point. Where do I start? And what should I say? You know, I'm a big Florida State football fan. Well, all sports fan. The basketball team's doing really well right now, first in the ACC, but that, we'll get to that later. I'm a big Florida State fan. And uh, I'm a big Bobby Bowden fan, legendary coach, 34 years for Florida State University and. He's known as a follower of Christ, uh, very public about his faith. You also may have heard of Mark Richt. Mark Richt is the head football coach for the University of Miami. Before that, he coached at the University of Georgia. Before that, he was on staff at on Florida State University. He coached with Bobby Bowden. He was his offensive coordinator. And Mark Richt is known as a very uh, outspoken Christian a strong family man, uh, lives for the Lord, loves the Lord, really making a difference in young men's lives. Uh, just, just a real role model. And uh, I just respect Mark Rick so much. But, you know, there was a time when Mark Rick didn't know Jesus. You know how Mark Rick came to know Jesus? He was on staff with Florida State University, Bobby Bowden, the head coach, in the 80s. In the middle part of the 80s, there was a football player on the team that tragically died. He was shot and died. And you can imagine how it impacted these young men. And Bobby Bowden got the team together in a big room. And he talked about how uncertain life is. And he told these football players, I want you to know for sure that if you die, you're going to heaven. And he shared with these young men and the coaches the gospel. Shared the good news. Maybe not the same words, but God, man, Christ response. A little bit later, Bobby Bowden was in his office and there was a knock on the door. It's one of his coaches, Mark Richt. Mark Richt came in and sat down and said, Coach, if I were to die today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. But I want to know. And so Bobby Bowden walked into the gospel And Mark Rick was saved. He placed his faith in Christ. And now he's being so mightily used of the Lord. Why? Someone shared the good news with him. And listen, if you're a Christian, someone shared the good news with you. You heard it from somebody. Somewhere. Maybe it was on a Billy Graham telecast. Or maybe it was in a church from a pastor. Or maybe it was someone at work. But you heard it from somebody. May we be used of God in 2017 to share our stories, to tell His story, so we can see the kingdom of God grow. People being saved, snatched from the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of light and life and joy and peace and salvation. May God use us to see that happen. So here's the point. Our vision is to expand God's kingdom by introducing everyone everywhere to Jesus so they become kingdom citizens. 
Share your story, tell his story. And if you're here today and say, I can't do that. Last year, we had a D-Now with our young people. They're getting ready to have another D-Now end of this month. Great weekend of, of ministry and preaching and teaching and service. It's just a really neat time for our students. Well, they have some fun during that weekend. And last year, they had a scavenger hunt. And part of the itinerary with the scavenger hunt was to go to Pastor Wade's house. I still haven't got Derek back for this. But it was on the list. And uh, there are several things you could do once you got to Pastor Wade's house to get points for your scavenger hunt. One was you could get your whole group into his bathtub and take a picture so that you could get points for that. And so in our bathroom, we had stu- you know, 15 students in a bathtub. with a, they take a picture and they got points for doing that. That was one thing. Another thing on the list was someone from your group to get points has to share the gospel with Pastor Wade. So we had all these groups come to our house, and um, one of the students from the group would have to share the gospel with me. And so they said, I got to share the gospel. I say, okay, go. And can I just tell you, I was blessed. We have some young people that flat know how to share the good news. They can talk about Jesus and his death and his resurrection and what that means for us. I was really, really blessed by how these students could articulate the gospel. It's not for, the, listen to me, gospel, gospel sharing, evangelism is not for preachers and staff members. It's not for missionaries. It's for all of us. Amen? And we all can do it by simply being able to share our story and tell his story.